Hi guys, so this is our podcast on cancel culture, our interview with Ms. Shevstead. So I'm Rebecca. I'm Lauren. I'm Angelique. And I'm Ms. Shevstead. <laughs> so today we are going to talk about cancel culture and its definition and give a couple of examples and ask Ms. Shevstead some questions about her opinion on cancel culture. So... Cancel culture or call-out culture is a modern form of ostracism in which somebody is thrust out of social or professional circles, either online, on social media, in the real world, or both. Those who are subject to this ostracism are said to be canceled. In other words, it means culturally blocked from having a prominent public platform or career. It has become a polarizing topic of debate. The rise of cancel culture and the idea of canceling someone coincides with a some familiar pattern. A celebrity or public figure does or says something offensive. A public black backlash, often fueled by politically progressive social media, ensues. Then comes the calls to cancel the person, that is to effectively end their career or revoke their cultural catch-it, whether through boycotts of their work or disciplinary action from an employer. So, is it good or bad? The idea of cancel culture has been around for a long time. The idea of ostracism, the Salem witch trials, and the Red Scare are all examples of cancel culture. The act of shunning people for their beliefs, actions, and ideas is not new. So why is it such a big deal now? With all the social media and technology we have today, it is easier to expose people for their wrongdoings or differentiating opinions. Actions and words that hurt others should not be condoned in any way. But should the person that did or said those things be cut from society? So, should we begin with that questions? Yes, we'll ask a few questions first. But, um, so, Michelle said, what is cancel culture to you, or what do you think cancel culture is? I think cancel culture, honestly, it's the idea that someone has, says or believes something that there's another group of people that don't believe. So, this group that honestly I'm gonna call like a mob because it becomes like a mob mentality. This group of people gang up on this individual. You can't say that, you can't do that, you can't, and they literally go after this person to try to marginalize them and push them aside because of their beliefs and thoughts and things like that so that they essentially don't exist anymore. They wanna, push it to the point that the person just crawls away in defeat and then therefore the the mob or the group their thoughts win and become dominant in culture do you think it's effective or and do you think it's like cyberbullying and like people are just hiding behind their screens in most cases to attack these people okay the effective part well, short answer is no i don't think it's effective um However, I do think that there's a short-term effectiveness with it because I do think people get, um, they get canceled and they shut up and they get scared to speak freely, to think about what they really know is going on. I do fully, the second part of your question was, do I think it's cyberbullying, hiding behind screens? Yes, absolutely. I believe that this is something that 
never would, it couldn't happen, I don't want to say never, but it wouldn't happen as prevalently, prevalently as it does without social media. Because with social media, what you have is you'll have a per- people over in the Northeast who team up with people way over in the West who will cyber bully somebody in the middle of the country and it feels like everybody's coming in on you and so you shut up and you okay so cyber i do believe it's like a form of cyber bullying because you can have people from around the world who will gang up on a particular person because of something that they posted in social media and is so this person thinks like the whole world is against them and so it shuts them up and they get canceled so bouncing back on that you you do you think it's more hurtful than helpful in the case of like trying to like block out people who have like are trying to like go after little kids stuff like that online Yes, okay, so when I said that in the short term it's effective, in the short term they may get what they want and this person is marginalized and shut up. However, I don't think in the long term it's effective at all because I believe in the whole idea of free speech. People should be able to say what they think and what they feel. And in order to have a healthy society, we need healthy debate. We need all views talked out and everything. And if some people are shoved aside, it, it just it doesn't work. And so um, I think it is extremely hurtful in, in the long run. It's not going to be a healthy society. It's going to be a society that's living in fears. If I can share, I read a, an incredible article the other day written by a journalist who herself was canceled. And she was canceled from the New York Times. She had worked there forever. And she was a very liberal journalist. But the new generation of people came in and didn't like what she stood for because it wasn't, it wasn't pure enough for them. So this journalist left. She did a whole article on um, what's happening in the very, very, very wealthy private schools. Uh, These are the kids that go to the Harvards and the Yales and stuff like that. And there's a whole generation of people right now, a whole group of people that are being canceled. White boys are being canceled. And um, these parents who are white and very affluent are sending their children to these schools now where you have all these this racial overtone and everything and white privilege and so forth and their sons are petrified and not just the sons the parents themselves are petrified because they can't speak out if they make any comment on social media like I don't think the school should be talking about this they're immediately canceled the mob jumps on that parent and and lets them have it so these parents are afraid to speak out because it is it's also discrimination it's racist itself it's like you're using racism to fight racism and it makes no sense so that's where i think this whole cancel culture thing is so incredibly harmful because nobody's talking logically rationally and having healthy debate so on that note, do you want to go through some of the uh, mm-hmm. studies? Okay, we've done? I kind of have a question. Uh-huh. Okay, 
So in terms of it bringing, like let's say a person goes online and they're like, this person sexually assaulted me and it turns out to be true and that person ends up going through everything, going to jail, do you think that is short-term effectiveness, effectiveness mm -hmm. or long-term? Because that person who committed a crime is now in jail because of so on cancel culture. I don't know if this has actually ever happened, but like I know there's like been like sexual assault like allegations on that one, I want. I think I would have to be very careful on that one because um, you're using a hypothetical. But the reason I want to be careful is because most of the time, mm -hmm. not always, but most of the time, it would be a woman who would be making an accusation. Yeah. And this whole thing that we just went through with the Me Too movement and everything, I am not, as a woman, I am not someone who says that we have to believe every woman. Because I, I, as a woman, I know that women lie. You know, there are some women that lie. So um, I, I would hope that who, in your hypothetical, that whoever this woman was, or I'm assuming woman, it could be a man, but whoever this person was that was somehow sexually molested, abused, or whatever, I would hope that they had first gone through the other channels. Mm -hmm. And I would hope that the other channels would pursue it and do it in the right fashion. As a last desperate reach out and cry out if the woman truly was sexually abused, molested or whatever, and they do it on social media because the other avenues weren't working, I understand their pain and I can see how that would be a short-term effect. But I would really like to see people do it through the proper channels first before they just publish it to the world because that I think, you know, do you think um, if that was like hypothetically the woman's last resort, do you think that would like turn law enforcement's hand to finally engage? I think that could, that might be what she's attempting to have happen. Okay. I think sometimes you see that even with high, in high profile cases with some of these political figures and so forth, where the political figure had the power, so the girl, I'm saying girl again, but the, the woman never really had justice done for her so then ultimately what does she do makes it public through the media social media you know whatever it is in order to try to get the ball rolling and so then the legal system finally comes in so yeah i think in that aspect all right so moving on from that and we will continue this sexual assault topic with we're going to talk about r kelly the singer so 2020 began with like a six-part lifetime documentary called Surviving R. Kelly that brought together Kelly's accusers in Inner Circle to detail the artist's life, which the network described as riddled with rumors of abuse, predatory behavior, and pedophilia. So R. Kelly married Aaliyah, the singer, when she was 15 and he was 27. And they said that Aaliyah did lie about her age. However, they did get a divorce. And he also continued to pursue a relationship with a 17-year-old afterwards. And this all happened in the early 2000s, and no consequences, no repercussions occurred until this documentary was released and people are paying attention to this. And law enforcement is getting involved because he is being held without bond in Chicago right now, and he's facing separate federal grand jury indictments in Illinois and New York. So these 
allegations say that Kelly recruited women for sex, persuaded people to conceal that he had sexual contact with teenage girls, and spent hundreds of thousands of dollars buying back videotapes that prosecutors say are incriminating. He also formed a cult and controlled young women through the cult. And all this has been proven, and that's why he's on trial right now. So what are your thoughts on that, and how do you think cancel culture has affected the, you know, like, the spreading of this, bringing awareness to this topic? Okay, in the case of R. Kelly, you know, you're talking, they're going through the the legal system and everything, mm-hmm. and they have these different um, pieces of evidence and everything that are happening with with him. What's interesting with this is, he was doing this and he was behaving this way and he was singing and, and I'm sure there were a lot of people that knew about this mm-hmm. before the documentary that you were talking mm-hmm. about. But because he was famous, Hollywood or whatever, society was mm-hmm. very much like, oh, well, you know, it's okay. It's just him. It's quirky or whatever. But then this documentary comes out and now all of a sudden people are like, because oh, they don't want to be associated with it so I think in a way the legal system is working we let the legal system work on R. Kelly but using him as like an overall example in a way it kind of shows that we as people can be a bit hypocritical because we can sit there and and we know something's not right but we keep letting it go because we like what the person does they're singing or they're athletics or whatever it is and so we just turn a blind eye to it until somehow it's brought to the forefront of what's actually happening now that it's been brought to the forefront and there's all this evidence and everything i can understand how people are now like oh, I'm not buying his products, I'm not going to be a part of that because it's out there. The people that knew about it and didn't do anything in the first place, that's a bit hypocritical that now all of a sudden they jump on the bandwagon. Mm -hmm. Do you think that is less prevalent today because of cancel culture, you know, like turning a blind eye? Hmm. Or do you think it's more of wait till enough people get onto canceling him, then it takes place? I think it depends upon who the person is and what they stand for. Um, let me use politics as an example. Right now we have some stuff going on with the governor in New York. Mm-hmm. He's been accused of uh, several things by several different women. And it's quite interesting how the media, social media and so forth react to that versus what happened a couple of years ago with Justice Kavanaugh. You know, the reaction between the two is so incredibly different. So I think what happens with whoever it is, who is that person, what are their, their ideologies, what are their political standpoints, what's their religion, what's their skin color, what's their, all those things that are going on today, people, if, if they're in the quote-unquote cool group that the society thinks, then they don't really jump all over it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. does that make sense? Yeah. Do you yeah. think the turning a blind eye fits the presidential election that just happened with we're going to attack Trump for everything that he did and turn a blind eye to whatever Biden may have done in his past that could be seen as morally wrong or now like he could get canceled for? 
Yes. And I'm not just saying that as someone who's conservative. The problem I have with, with everything that happened with the presidential election and all of that is media. Social media, mainstream media, I don't care what it is. There's a saying that's been going around, journalism is dead. The fact that there, was, there were stories about um, Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, that were not allowed to be put on Twitter. And then all of a sudden, after the election, Twitter says, oh, we made a mistake. We should have allowed that story. And these were stories that were put out by reputable newspapers. It wasn't like it was this crazy, you know, whatever being posted by some unknown person. But the media tends to go after one but not the other because the other one fits their ideology. Instead of allowing, in, I'm speaking here in the United States, instead of allowing the American people to make the choice and give us all the information on every candidate, good and bad, and then let us make the choice. It's almost as if the media or the social media giants are determining what we can and cannot hear because they want to control the narrative. And I have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, well, continuing on the political topic, we can talk about Chris Pratt, the Marvel actor. According to Forbes, many members of the public have chosen to interpret Pratt's faith as a worldview intertwined with Trumpism, which again, Pratt has never publicly voiced support for. But one can easily imagine a potential connection and that assumption combined with Pratt's following of some outspoken conservatives on Twitter has led to the belief that Pratt is a Trump supporter. What are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, I think it's just crazy. Um, <laughs> I think it's nuts that just because someone ha- is um, religious and evangelical, uh, okay, in the Christian world, there are a lot of other religions out there, but I'm talking about if you're, if you're someone who is a Christian, believes the tenets of, of the Bible and so forth, that somehow it's all just Trumpism. Um, we're just entering into a super, super crazy time. Because I know... I know many Christians who voted for Biden but they have a lot of the same views and beliefs that I do but they voted for Biden so just saying that all Christians or a star like this because he has Christian views all of a sudden it's Trumpism it's just nuts Mm -hmm. Um, because there were people who voted for Trump that have no faith you know that are atheists and it just I don't know is there's just this craziness that's happening out there where people are trying to merge groups together, I think in order to cancel them. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, they want to get rid of the Trumpism. They also want to get rid of evangelical Christians. Just yesterday, um, Coach Thompson sent us an email about uh, Oral Roberts University basketball players in the March Madness thing. And they're like the Cinderella team. They beat the Florida Gators in the last round. And this is a very fundamental Christian school. There's a huge article written about them that makes them sound like they are the most evil guys on the face of the earth because in their handbook it says that they will not participate in homosexual activities, that they won't participate in sex outside of marriage and things like that. So 
the world today takes these Christian views and they lock them all in together with anything else they don't like, Trumpism, this and this and this, and say, ooh, they're evil. And the term the, the woman used in her article, she called it moral regressiveness. That people with conservative views like mine from the Bible, I am somehow regressing morally because I don't want to accept what the world is now saying that I need to accept. So it's a way people that she'll, she'll find her followers and they will attempt to cancel those you know actors actresses or whatever that have those views yeah i think it's different when it's a youtuber versus a real celebrity because yeah you can cancel youtuber and deplatform them because youtube is their form of income but pratt is continuing to act in these marvel movies and the public has never successfully canceled him because he has never stated these opinions openly Right. So he just says that he is a Christian, but people just assume these things about him, and they label him the worst Chris of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, and they, I mean, I think what you said there, they assume, mm-hmm. and they link it in there. I agree completely that just because he has conservative views, um, a personal thing, people will assume because I am a Christian and I'm a Bible teacher that I hate homosexuals. I have a cousin that's gay. You know, I have many, many friends because I spent years and years and years coaching that are gay. Now, do I believe that their actions are aligned with scripture? No, but I'm a sinner too, you know? So it's, I don't hate homosexuals. I'm not going to be out there. You know, it's like, wait a second, but what the cancel culture will take what I am and what I do here in this school and they'll want to push it to the extreme so that I can't sit here and talk to my, share my views to you. Mm-hmm. They would love to me to shut up because I'm influencing the next generation. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're going to talk about our last example, Okay, famous talk show host called Ellen DeGeneres. So he, she's been at times accused of mistreating her non-celebrity friends. The first big claim was in May when her former bodyguard told Fox News that she treats people other than those who are not in her circle very demeaning like demeaning ish and you can see through that she doesn't care about anybody as long as she's getting what she wants and there was an article wrote that spoke to 10 anonymous former employees of the ellen show who accused the show of creating a toxic workplace these included being fired after taking medical leave days racist comments and general microaggressions and a YouTuber who went on the show called Nikki Tutorials was one of the first people to call out DeGeneres, saying on a talk show in her home country that the beloved host was cold and distant. And the Ellen Show is now undergoing a eternal, internal investigation due to these claims, and rumors are that the show itself might get canceled after 17 seasons. With that one, this one's difficult because you have to it, it's like a he said she said kind of thing you have some people that were on the show that thought it was great and were treated well or whatever mm-hmm. and then you have other people who were not and so it kind of goes back and forth I've never met Ellen so I can't speak to her in particular but I think what it it's an example of whoever controls the narrative is going to be the one that gets their desire mm-hmm. and right now because 
the ratings are so bad for Ellen and stuff, I, I think the show might end up being canceled because the ratings are bad. And what, what, who wants to put that on TV if nobody's going to watch? So the people that say that Ellen is this way are controlling the narrative at the moment. And therefore, they may end up winning because her show may get canceled. I know that there were some people that came out in defense of Ellen that said, no, yes. she's not that way and so forth. And so, again, you have that he said, she said thing. Um, but it comes down to controlling the narrative. Mm-hmm. And it, it really does seem like those people who didn't like the way Ellen behaved are the ones that are winning the narrative at the moment. Mm-hmm. So the people coming to her defense are mostly celebrities that she has interviewed. And what people are saying on social media is that, well, of course you're going to defend her. You were the guest. She's going to treat you correctly. And right. you never know what's going on behind the scenes. Right. And that very well could be. I mean, again, because I wasn't there, I don't know the truth of the matter. And so it, it comes down to you have two opposing sides and what they think or how things were going on and stuff. And um, the side that was saying that she's not great to work for seems to be mm-hmm. the one getting their point across yeah so do you want to wrap it up Laura sure so we have um, just a few more questions for you so um sorry that's all right um you've answered some of these so I'm just like shifting uh-huh. through I don't necessarily think it's cancel culture. Um, the the whole thing, the whole thing that's coming in real right now for me. The moment you said that, I remember the Casey Anthony case here in Florida, and I was fascinated by it. I was so into it, and I watched every bit of it. In some things, I think being able to see an actual trial done that way, you get to see the facts laid out, and you're able to make your own decision. It's different than when the reporter comes out and paraphrases what happened because we all have a bias and the reporter can put their own bias on Mm -hmm. the reporting versus if you are actually watching the court case live. I'll go back to um, politics again. I would watch President Trump's um, COVID-19. I would watch it beginning to end and I would hear from his mouth what he was saying. And it was absolutely amazing to me then later when I would listen to reporters and how they would twist their own bias on it. And I'd be like, that's not what he said. That's not what he said, because I heard it myself. So what you're saying about courtroom and everything, again, the American people are smart enough to make their own decisions in anything. If the media, social media, and people in general would just not be afraid to hear a different view than their own, then I think it would be a much better world because we would be able to make wise decisions and and debate and argue and, you know, without being offended. It's silly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. And on that note, thank you for listening to our podcast. Yay! Yay.
ladies, you really